0: See, oh, so many of you braved the nor'easter that uh, we received last night, resulted in, I think, all of a half inch of snow, so thank you for braving that this morning, thank you for being here. Uh, we are blessed to, uh, really blessed to be able to come together in, uh, to worship uh, as we close out the new year. Last year, I got to share uh, the same week, and it happened to be on New Year's morning, and I was blessed to be able to start the new year with you, and I'm really excited to be able to close it out uh, with you uh, as well. But before we do that, we have a couple of announcements. Um, A couple of things that I want to add on to or or talk about real quick. First of which, um, I just want to give a shout-out to our production team. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was able to share the message. And um, if you remember, I had a table here with a tree and a bunch of glass ornaments. And and I thought it would be a brilliant idea to take one of those glass ornaments and hold on to it and and to throw it to the ground and smash it. And and it seemed like a great idea at the time. However, the production team uh, is so so focused on what they're doing that sometimes they don't get a chance to look up. They're listening, and they're working hard. And I I, I think they all peed their pants. Like, there, there was this moment afterwards, Dave Clark came down and said, Frank, please, if you ever do something like that again, tell me. And I said, it wasn't really planned, um, but I have one more, just in case. And uh, so, uh, and also, to anyone that was in the front row, um, I see no one's sitting there now because um, they're scared of getting glass all over them. Uh, so one, to apologize for that. Uh, number two, uh, this upcoming Sunday, January 7th, uh, we are reintroducing our student ministry environments on Sunday mornings. So uh, it's been almost a year now that we pulled those out. It was a great time to uh, take a little bit of a break to refresh, to refocus, um, really bolster up what we do on Wednesday evenings, which has been going tremendously well. We're seeing a lot of fruit uh, coming out of those gatherings that we had together. Uh, but we're really excited for uh, that to kick off next week. It's going to be both gatherings. The students will be meeting in the conference room for a couple of weeks before we uh, uh, head on back downstairs. Uh, and uh, if you're a student or if you're a parent of a student, you'll get some more information uh, in your email this week about that. And then lastly, if there was ever a message <laughs> that I needed to write or there was ever a message that I needed to hear, um, this is one of them. Uh, this is a message that uh, I had a really hard time this week putting together. Um, it's, a, it's a text I really, really struggled with. and. Um, Just being honest, I'm praying like this is it for tears. I I know I'm notorious for that. Um, But this is something that I had a hard time with, and I procrastinated every single day. And finally, yesterday, around 1 o'clock, Kate said, you know, Frank, Sunday's coming. And um, I knew what I was going to talk about, but I I didn't have the strength to kind of sit down and to to put it down. Um, So if there's ever a morning that I need some grace, um, I'm asking to have that from you this morning, if you don't mind. So all that being said, let's dive in, shall we? How many of you, if you're honest, this is like switching gears, 180. If you're honest, how many of you are uh, feeling a sense of relief that 2017 is coming to a close? Anyone? So half of you are honest, the rest of you are liars. (laughs) All right, I I know deep down for me, um, you know, it it was a good year. There was a lot of great things that took place. There was a lot of transitions. I know my job changed, all all sorts of different things. Um, It was great, but there was also some challenges Uh, mixed in there as well. And I know for many of you, you had a good year, uh, but I know for some of you, you also had a challenging year and a difficult year. And like many of you tonight, I'm going to be gathering with friends. I'm going to be gathering uh, with friends to share in a meal. And and we're going to go out and we're going to have dinner and uh, I'll have a Shirley Temple because that's my drink of choice. Not even joking, that's my drink of choice. And we're gonna be just together and laughing and enjoying each other's company. We're gonna go back to my house and we'll probably play a game or two. We'll watch the ball drop. Inevitably, we'll take some time and we'll actually reflect over the last 12 months. We'll look at some of the good moments and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about some of the challenging ones. And then at some point, I'm sure the conversation will start to shift and it'll start to change and we'll start maybe looking forward. We'll start looking at 2018. We'll share maybe a resolution or two uh, that we all have. And does anyone here make New Year's resolutions? Anyone, be honest? Wow, talk about a group of overachievers. Uh, I make New Year's resolutions. I procrastinate about them. I won't make them until tonight. I'll probably wing it with my friends and tell them, oh, yeah, I've been planning this, but really, I just made it up. And, And I have a list of New Year's resolutions I'm sure that I'm gonna work through. Um, But here's the thing. Statistically speaking, if you make a New Year's resolution, even if you don't write it down and say it's your resolution, most of us have goals as we're approaching a New Year. Statistically speaking, though, 40% of people will have given up on all of, not some, all of their New Year's resolutions by the end of January. 40%. 75% of people will give up on their New Year's resolutions by Valentine's Day. 75%. Six weeks in to a 52-week year. I think something needs to change. Maybe it's time to stop having these New New Year's resolutions. And I don't believe it's that because we have bad goals. I don't believe it's that we have bad intentions. I don't believe it's that we have bad New Year's resolutions. I think we actually have good intentions. But what if we go from having good intentions to having more godly intentions? What if we go from having good, simply good intentions to having godly intentions? What if we were to go beyond our stereotypical New Year's resolution and focus less on what we want for our lives and more on what God wants for our lives? What would that look like if we were to actually do this? Whenever, someone, uh, whenever something comes to an end, it provides this natural opportunity to, to step, uh, step back and to, to reflect and to look back, whether it's the end of a season whether the, uh, maybe you're moving on or transitioning from a job one job to another, or maybe you've lost your job. It causes you to reflect. Maybe it's at the end of a relationship. that relationship comes to an abrupt end, and it causes you to reflect. Maybe it's in the loss of a loved one. You stop, and you sit back, and you reflect. And the calendar is no different. At the end of the year, we always take time to slow down and to stop and to reflect. It's, it's unavoidable. And, and as we look back, like I said earlier, we see some ups, but we also see some downs. And to be honest with you, this past week as I sat in my chair, I sat in my chair, I have a green chair in my office, I sat down there every single day. Um, However, the week of Christmas to New Year's, I spend a lot more time down in there because all my kids and my wife are home, and and I can close the door and I can just be kind of quiet. And so I'm spending a lot of time down in my chair this year and I'm reflecting, and I personally, I was looking back at all the wonderful things that happened in the year. But I was also faced with the reality of some of the scary things that happened. I was faced head-on with some of the the difficult moments of my life. This past week on Wednesday morning, I received some life-changing news, some difficult news. It was just days after a joyous celebration of Christmas, and yet just days before we celebrate the new year and we look forward to the new year with hope, I found myself in this moment desperate for need, in a desperate need of refreshment. I'm in desperate need of peace, and I'm in desperate need of hope that really only God can provide. Yet it's in these moments where our focus should be on our relationship with God and the refreshment that He brings that we tend to put together a list of resolutions. And we already talked about how those end. We create this resolution, and, and then we create this to do list to go alongside of it. Resolutions like losing weight. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who's laughing already, but. <laughs> Um, losing weight has been on my uh, New Year's resolution list for ten years now. I'm not even joking, ten years. Um, and do you know what happens? Every New Year's, I, I start off with this amazing goal. I create this to-do list, and the to-do list usually starts something like this. I'm going to get a gym membership. And I do, every year. I, I'm a sucker for that. I get a gym membership every January. You know what else? I go out and I get a pair of gym shorts. I have ten pairs of gym shorts, one for every year that I said I was gonna lose weight. Not even, I don't wear gym shorts, I'm not that cool. I go out and I buy a new pair of sneakers. I get all these ankle socks. I don't wear ankle socks, I wear funky socks. You know what else I get? I get a new water bottle because the water bottle from last year is no good. From there, I go and I say, you know what? If I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do all this work, I have, I'm going to listen to so many books. It's unbelievable. I need a new pair of headphones. So I'm going to go out and get a new pair of headphones. And then I need this fancy lock for the locker and all these sorts of things. You see, we have this resolution and then we come up with this to do list of all these things that we need to do to see that resolution through. But the reality is, what happens? By February, February 14th, we're, we've given up. Another resolution for some of you may be, uh, maybe it's tackling your finances and, and getting a little more healthy in how you look um, at finance, and getting out of debt. So that's the resolution, what is the action plan? The to-do list would be, uh, maybe to go to Financial Peace University. Uh, it's a little shameless plug, you should totally do that, it's awesome. But you you, you say, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sign up for this nine-week course, and I'm going to get my uh, finances in order. This is the next step. I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to cut up my credit cards, and then what's going to happen? All right, I'm going to get a good financial picture, snapshot of kind of where I'm at. I'm going to come up with this action plan, and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And by the time I'm 35, whatever it may be, by the the time I get to this certain age, things will be in good shape, but I am going to steward the finances that God has entrusted with me, and everything's going to be great. Again, resolution to-do list, and it's not a bad thing. In fact, I would argue I would really benefit from both of those things, from losing weight and from getting out of debt. And I think many of you would as well. I'm not saying you're chubby. I'm just saying I think we'd, we'd all benefit from that. What I'm suggesting, though, is this, is what if instead of making a series of resolutions that inevitably a lot of times we'll fail at, what if we took some time to actually to slow down as we start the new year? It's a, it's a, it's a time of year where we tend to speed up, I was just downstairs with the family ministry team and I was talking about how uh, there's some new rhythms that we want to get into and we want to implement some new processes and all these other sorts of things. And that's just the natural desire that we have come January. But what if we were to actually take January and to slow down? What if we were to slow down just a bit and to seek refreshment? To seek a season of refreshment. So as we think about refreshment, um, let's actually talk about that for a second. For some of you, Refreshment may be something as simple as a a nice cold Coke or a Diet Coke. I remember as a young boy, I would work out in the backyard with my father, and we didn't have Coke, we had RC, because we were that cool. And and I had this, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, But we had had these blue plastic cups, and, and I remember putting ice in those cups with my dad, and we'd get RC Cola, and we'd unscrew the top and we'd pour it in there, and I thought it was all that, but it was awesome, it was so refreshing. For me, in the summertime, I love to work in my yard, and I I work really hard, And, and when I'm done doing that on Saturdays, you know what I do? I take off my boots, I leave my pants on, whatever it is I'm wearing, and I jump right in the pool. The pool, for me, is extremely refreshing. After a workout, I only have those in January, but after a workout, there's nothing like a hot shower, or a nice cool shower, maybe, if that's you. In the warmer months, I like to go golfing. There's something relaxing to me about putting on a set of golf clubs, strapping them onto my back, walking a couple miles, uh, chasing a little white ball uh, through God's creation. I tend to enjoy it more when I'm playing well, but the fact of the matter is I find that refreshing. That's, That's relaxing to me. Now, for you, your list may look very different from mine. It may not involve RC Cola. It may not involve jumping into your pool fully clothed. It might not involve golfing, whatever it may be. We all have a list of things that we find refreshment in and that we seek refreshment from. But the reality is, the reality is, out of all the things that we could come up with, all the things that we could come up with, nothing on that list, nothing that we could put on that list could ever compare to the refreshment that we can only find in our relationship with God. There's nothing that we can put on that list of refreshment that could ever compare to the refreshment that can only come, that we can only find in our relationship with God. So for that this morning, what I want to do is I want to, I want to dive into God's Word. We're going, to, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 3. So if you wouldn't mind, do you have Bibles on your seats? I believe it's on page 907. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you, you can have the Bible that's uh, on your seat with you. Uh, that'd be our gift to you. Uh, but as you're turning, there's a couple things that I want to share with you. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Acts was written, uh, written. Acts was written uh, by Luke. Luke was a very well-educated man. He was a doctor. He was one of the authors of the uh, the Gospels, the four Gospels being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anyone take a guess at which Gospel he wrote? Come on. There's only a few of you. You can kind of humor me a little bit. He wrote Luke. Luke wrote Luke. Go figure, right? And and so the Acts of the Apostles, this book is actually a little bit of a sequel uh, to that if you will. However, it's very different than his first book. You see, the Gospel of Luke, the four Gospels, are an account of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. That's the intent of the Gospels. But Acts is written very differently. It's not simply an account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but rather more of a connecting link between Jesus' life and the life of the church. Not just the church then, but the church today. Where the Gospels look at the life of Jesus, the book of Acts actually takes time to look at um, what happened as a result of the life of Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, so this morning what I want to do is we're just going to read through it. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, I want to read right through. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, as they approached the temple, uh, uh, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, "Look at us! Look at us!" The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have silver, I do not have gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, the right hand in fact, and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. They were strengthened he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw uh, him walking and heard and praising God when they realized he was the lame beggar they uh, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and to John. It's a, a beautiful passage of scripture, and there's so much in there for us to unpack. But a couple of points that I want to pull from this to start would be this Luke is the author of Acts, as we know. Luke's also the author, as I mentioned, uh, also the author, as I mentioned, of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke begins his Gospel in the temple. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He, he, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah while he was in the temple uh, going through some uh, rituals and, and the angel appeared. It was this beautiful moment. And, um, but Luke also ends his gospel in the temple. The beginning and the end of everything Luke wrote about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ um, was bookended by the temple. And here we are again, but this time we're not in the temple. This time we're just on the outside of the temple. We're just outside the walls. In fact, we're at the gate. We're at the point of entry. Only the holy, only the righteous were able to enter in here at this point. Everyone else was left outside kind of looking through uh, the windows, if you will. But here in this little nuance, Luke is sharing how the good news of Jesus permeates not only beyond his life, but the good news and the healing power of Jesus actually permeates beyond the walls of the temple and is reaching out to all the world. God's grace, his love, and his healing is accessible to everyone. Jesus didn't come for some, he came for all. One of the most famous passages in the Bible, one that uh, many children grow up memorizing, is John 3, chapter 16. I'm sure if I didn't put it on the screen, many of you could already say it. It's for God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him or everyone believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I learned probably a different translation than that. But you get the gist. God came for everyone. It doesn't say God came for the righteous. It doesn't say he came uh, for the priests. It doesn't say he came for the religious leaders. It didn't say he came for the holy or, or the devout. It said he came for the world, the world and everything in it. He came for everyone. He made this abundantly clear. He came not for some, but rather he came for all. And for some of us, as we wrap up 2017, and as we get ready to head into 2018, that's a promise that we need to hear, and that's something that we need to remember. We are in desperate need of refreshment. Each and every one of us, I don't care where you are, we all need some refreshment from God this morning. And it feels like we're sitting just outside the temple walls looking in. It feels like we're just beyond the reach. But yet we are within reach. We are not forgotten, we are not overlooked, and we are not without hope. All of because of what happened with Jesus. That's good news. And this is exactly what Luke is talking about in the way he's writing here. In the way he's, he's setting this up and saying this happened outside the temple walls. It didn't mean that it didn't actually happen. It really did happen this way. But Luke's drawing emphasis to this for us to understand that it's permeating beyond what we expect. It's in the unexpected that we tend to find Jesus. And that's what Luke's trying to share with us, that we can experience refreshment. And even when our posture is that of the lame man begging on the outside of the temple at the gates, We are all in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. And I'd like to take a quick look at this point and and take a look at Peter and John specifically. We read that they are heading into the temple at 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, that would be the ninth hour. It would also be the second prayer gathering of the day. There's three prayer gatherings a day. Another interesting thing about the 9 o'clock hour, the ninth hour, I should say, is that it was the, the prayer gathering in which they would have sacrifices, Jesus died in the ninth hour. Interesting. This would have been the second of uh, three prayer gatherings for the day. Peter and John would have already come, and they would have already gone once already. I don't know if the lame man was there or not earlier. It doesn't necessarily let us know when he got there. But what I do know is this, that in this moment, the ordinary became extraordinary we didn't we don't need to dwell on what didn't happen earlier at the first gathering we don't need to worry about what's going to happen at the third we need to focus in this moment right here and let's let's just focus in on this moment right in front of us that's what peter and john did and by doing that the ordinary became extraordinary and it happened because of their devotion had they not shown up to that prayer gathering they would have missed it if we go back a couple of verses we go back a couple of verses. In Acts chapter 2, this is what we read. Verse 42, it says, All the believers, they did what? All the believers? Come on. All the believers? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs. And wonders. It says they were devoted. They were devoted. All the believers were devoted. Uh, the word for devoted here, I'm not very good at this, is proskriter ero. It means exerting great effort to persist in doing something. That's how it translates. It was habitual in nature. Their devotion was habitual in nature. It was a discipline, it was something they did day in and day out. They were devoted to the teachings, to the fellowship, to prayer, and to serving worship, community, and mission. Sound familiar? They were devoted to this. They were devoted when it was difficult. They were devoted when it felt mundane. They were devoted when they didn't want to be. They were devoted despite their persecution. They were devoted because that's what the gospel does. They were devoted because the gospel creates a desire within us to pursue God the way he pursues us. And as a result of their devotion, they were able to be witnesses to the extraordinary, the ordinary becoming extraordinary. Notice how I said witness here. They didn't perform the miracle. Jesus did. Peter was simply an agent of Jesus in this moment. Jesus healed the lame man. Verse 6, it says, In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. By saying in the name of Jesus, they are clearly identifying who actually does the healing here. And they're also saying that Jesus... Is not dead. See, if we read the gospel, we know that Jesus died on the cross, we know that he was buried, we know that on the third day he rose, and we also know that he ascended into heaven. But by saying in the name of Jesus, they're clearly identifying one, that he not only healed the man, but two, that he is alive and well and still active among us. And because of their devotion to him, because of their devotion to worship and their devotion to living community, their devotion to serving and to mission, they were not only able to be witnesses to life change, they were able to participate with God in that life change. It's my hope, it's my prayer uh, that this new year we can, as a church, we can continue to be devoted. That we can continue to see lives changed. That we may continue to participate with him in the restoration of all things. Now what I want to do is I want to take a look, from, kind of set Peter and John aside for just a moment here. Let's take a look at the lame man. Let's look at what's going on with him for a second. Every single day of this man's life, he was carried to the temple gate. Every single day. Every single day, he laid there, unable to walk, and he begged for money. He was equally as devoted as the apostles, but he was devoted to something entirely different. His placement at the gate would not have been on accident. In fact, I would argue that it was actually extremely strategic. For him, of his goal of correcting money, it was extremely wise for him to be positioned there. Giving to the poor was considered an act of piety. He knew that three times a day, the religious would walk past him to go into the temple for the worship service, the prayer gathering. And he knew that three times a day, they were going to walk back out past him again after the worship service. And, and what's interesting here is he knew, that in particular, the followers of Jesus would show pity on him. In fact, Jesus taught on this very subject just before his death. In Matthew 25, it says, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Jesus made it very clear, we are to serve the least, the last, and the lost. This guy wasn't a fool. He was smart. He was intelligent. He positioned himself in plain sight within view of all the righteous and was sure to get himself a handout. He knew what he was doing. But this day, on this particular day, something different happened. Something different took place. Something unexpected. Something beautiful, but something unexpected. There once was a young man who snuck into a church. He was hoping no one would really notice him, except for one girl. The only reason he had gone that morning was because he had a crush on a girl who attended the church and sang in the choir. He had hoped that she would see him, and that at the end of the service he might muster up the courage to ask her out. He wasn't quite sure of what to do, but he saw people going into the church one by one and sitting down, so he chose to do the same. Now, just as the service began, and Usher came up to the young man and said, Excuse me, excuse me. He said. The service was starting, so he's whispering to him, The person who's supposed to do the reading today isn't here. Would you mind? The young man was terrified. But he was also quick on his feet. You see, the girl, the girl he had an eye on, he saw her already in the balcony, uh, in the choir loft, excuse me. He could see her in the choir loft, and he thought that if he did the reading, that surely, one, he would be noticed, and two, he would impress her. All right, he said. He took the Bible, didn't even bother to read through uh, what the usher had showed him. He was confident in his ability. But here it is, the moment it finally arrives. While excited for the opportunity to show off, inside he was horrified. He walked up to the pulpit, big, beautiful white pulpit. His knees were shaking. His palms were sweaty. His weak arms were heavy. Anyone? Anyone? A couple of eminent things. His knees were shaking, and he slowly opened the Bible and began to read from the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. I tell you the truth, he read. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. his heart sank. This is exactly what he was doing. He was standing there in that moment pretending to be a regular attender of the church, pretending to be a follower of Jesus, when in fact he had only gone to church that morning to ask out the pretty girl in the choir. He forced himself to continue despite how uncomfortable he was. He forced himself to continue despite how uncomfortable he was. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep, says Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Suddenly, something happened, something clicked. Inside this young man, he, he stopped for a moment thinking about himself He stopped thinking about the girl that he was trying to impress. He stopped thinking about the congregation that he was trying to fool. He stopped thinking about the fact that he had just done something ridiculously hypocritical and outright shameful. All he could think about was Jesus. Unaware of the shock that he was about to cause, he swung around to the pastor that was leading the service that was sitting in the big chair behind him. And he says, is it true, is it true Did he really come so that I could have life to the fullest? And the pastor smiled and said, why, of course, of course it is. That's why we're all here. Come here, he signaled to the young man. He signaled to the choir to start. Had the man go and stand by his side as the choir sang. They sang a familiar tune, one that he knew, but it never resonated with him quite like this before. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's a tune, whether you go to church or you don't, that we all know, and it's a tune I'm sure this young man knew, but there was something different about this moment. In this moment, this man found himself swept off of his feet by the very presence and love of Jesus Christ. It filled him, and he could feel himself changing from the inside out. His life from that moment on was never the same. That morning, the young man received more. Way more than he had bargained for. That morning, that young man received something that he wasn't anticipating. He received a blessing that he wasn't expecting. In the same way, the man lying at the temple gate received something way different than he had hoped for. The text tells us that he was expecting money. He made that very clear. He had hoped for a few pieces of silver. He had hoped for a few pieces of gold. When he sees Peter and John walking by him, he knew them as disciples of Jesus. I'm sure he thought that he knew what was going to happen. He was going to beg. He was going to put out his hand and he was going to receive something. He knew what was going to take place. It was like every other day. He was going to be carried to the gate of the temple. He was going to see the worshipers. He was going to beg. They were going to have pity on him. Everything would be fine, just like every other day. He had gotten good at this, you see. He's done it every day for his life. He's been practicing for this moment. But yet it was far different than any moment he'd ever had. He thought this was all he would ever know. He thought this was all he would ever do. The lame man, see, he thought money was his greatest need. He was so blind to what was really going on in his life, he thought that money was the only thing he needed. So that's all he asked for. You see, sometimes we only ask for what we think we need. We put together this resolution because we think that this is the right next step for us, and we put together all these to-dos to accompany that rather than focusing less on our good intentions and more on God's intentions for our lives. He was sure that he would be out on the outside of the temple gates for the rest of his life looking in. He was confident in this. He was sure that he would always be like he was just in that moment, and I'm sure he never gave any consideration to anything other than that. I'm confident of that. But verse 6 says this. Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you. I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, and they were strengthened. There's so much that we can take away from just these two verses right here. But what I want to take a look at this morning real quick, if we can, uh, one thing from Peter and one thing from the lame man. From Peter... In this moment, Peter chose not to focus on the fact that he didn't have silver or gold. Peter did not simply pass by the man because he couldn't meet the immediate need of the man. I want you to think about that for a second. Peter didn't simply pass by the man because he couldn't meet the immediate uh, immediate need of him. He had no silver or gold. It would have been a perfect opportunity for Peter to say, nope, can't do it, sorry, keep going. Couldn't do it. But he took a moment to slow down. Peter and John took a moment to slow down. He took a moment to look into his eyes. He says that very specifically. Look at me, he says. And he looks into the eyes of the lame man. He took a moment to remember everything that Jesus had shown him. He took a moment to see this man as the child of God that he is, despite how he was viewed by the world around him. I believe that when this man, when Peter said, look at me, he wanted to look deep inside this man's eyes because he knew that when he did, he would see the face of Jesus. What you do for the least of these. And I'm convinced when Peter took the time to actually slow down And to say, look at me. And the man looked at him right in the eyes. He saw the face of Jesus. And it was an opportunity that he could not pass by. And Peter, oh, he stewarded this moment so faithfully. Peter was presented with an opportunity and he responded with what he had rather than focusing on what he didn't have. You ever do that? A lot of times we focus less on what we don't have, excuse me, we focus more on what we don't have and way less on what we do. Peter in this moment focused on what he did have. Another interesting point here about Peter is this. Peter was often the one to respond differently than the other disciples. Peter was often the one to kind of go out on a limb and misinterpret Jesus and his teachings. He often spoke way, way out of turn. This is the guy who took his eyes off of Jesus when walking on the water and sank. Sure, he got to walk on water, but what happened? He sank. This is the guy who resisted Jesus washing his feet. Imagine the Son of God saying, i want to wash your feet and saying, nope. This is the guy that did that. This is the guy who fell asleep on Jesus in the garden when he said, stay up and stay watch. He's like, well, I'm kind of tired. This is the guy who took a sword to a Roman soldier's head and came away with a tiny piece of an ear. This was not exactly an all-star. This was not Tom Brady. This was was Peter, the guy that messed up over and over and over again. This is the guy that even after all that happened, denying the washing of the feet, Jesus predicted the fact that uh, Peter was going to deny him three times, and Peter argued with him and said, no, 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 no. And guess what happened? He denied him. That guy, Peter. That's the guy we're talking about. But yet here he is, Peter. Peter. The guy that screwed up over and over and over and over again, and there was plenty of grace and plenty of grace and plenty of grace and plenty of grace, here he is presented with an opportunity regardless of all his past failures, regardless of all the times that he didn't get it right, here he stands in this, in this moment presented with an opportunity to show and to minister God's love on another person. And he only was able to do that because he took the opportunity, to, he took the seize of that moment and slowed down enough to acknowledge that it was there. He looked into the man's eyes, and when he did, he saw Jesus. And then he responded faithfully and accordingly. You see, God will use you regardless of how many times you may have messed up in the past. God will use you regardless of how many times you may have failed in the past. And he wants to use you as he brings restoration to all things. So we need to keep our eyes open, and we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. That's Peter. Now let's look at the lame man again for a second. He looks to Peter expecting to receive money, and he receives something very different. Very different. He wasn't asked to prove his faith. He wasn't asked to get his affairs in order and then come back and get healed. He wasn't. Uh, his healing wasn't contingent upon the condition of his heart. And I, I need you to hear that. His healing was not contingent upon the condition of his heart. You see, God's love for us is not conditional upon the condition of our heart. God's love is not contingent upon the condition of our heart. Like We need to understand this. For some of us, we need to write that on our bathroom mirror. We need to put it on our locker. We need to make it our lock screen. It needs to be our home screen. It needs to be right here. It needs to be right here. Everywhere. We need to understand that God's love for us is not contingent upon absolutely anything. All he had to do, all this man had to do was accept. All he had to do was to get up and to walk. All you have to do is say Yes. All those to-dos, all those other things, they don't matter. Jesus is standing here before us and he's saying, get up and walk. And all you have to do is take his hand and get up and walk. But yet we put so many roadblocks and so many obstacles in the way. You see, you're refreshed when you receive not necessarily what you're expecting, but rather what God graciously has given to us. You're refreshed when you receive life in Christ. You're refreshed when you see life in Christ. Now, I would also argue that you're refreshed when you have the ability to give life in Christ as well. Because I think in this moment, it wasn't just the lame man who was refreshed. It was also Peter. Peter, the guy that messed up so many times, was like, oh man, I got it right. I did it. Verse 8 says, he jumped up, he stood on his feet, feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, I love how intentional Luke is here with this word choice. He says the man leaped. He leapt, leaped, leapt. I don't know what the grammatical thing is. Leaped, we'll say leaped. He knew his audience, though. He knew that they would have been familiar with the prophecies from Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 35, it says, And when he comes, he being Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, he will open the eyes of the blind, and he will unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. It would have been easy to chalk this all up to coincidence. It would have been really easy reading the story to kind of chalk this up to coincidence until we heard this. Peter and John just happened to be walking by. They would have done that. There was a prayer gathering at the ninth hour, three o'clock. It would have been there. But Luke is making sure those reading this know that this is not a coincidence. coincidence. This is not an accident. This is, is in fact, the healing power of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. And it's also the ministry of Jesus. Uh, It did not end with his death. Luke is making it very clear. Jesus' ministry permeates the walls of the temple and goes out into the world, but it also did not end with his death. You are refreshed when you receive life in Christ, and you are refreshed by God when you respond to blessings with praise. When you respond to blessings with praise. It's so easy to be disappointed when we don't receive what we're expecting or what we're hoping for. Isn't it? Let's be honest for a moment. so easy to be disappointed when we don't receive what we're expecting or what it is that we're hoping for. We often miss out on so much joy because we're focused on what we haven't received rather than what we have. I, like many of you, uh, had the opportunity to experience this this past Monday. It was Christmas in my house, your house too. I woke up and I was with my children and we had a beautiful morning, don't get me wrong, they're very gracious and uh, well-mannered and and great values and uh, Kate and I worked really hard at that. I don't know who laughed at that. <laughs> it's true. Um, but there was a couple of moments on Christmas morning where my kids got hung up on something that wasn't under the tree rather than showing gratefulness for what was. You ever experienced that? Maybe you yourself or you've experienced someone else as a, as a parent, you've seen that happen? My kids got hung up for a moment on what wasn't under the tree rather than showing gratitude for what was. It only happened once or twice, but as a parent, I can't think of anything that makes my heart sink more than that. I had put so much effort, so much planning into making this a magical moment, and they were upset about the stupid toy that they didn't get. And i look and say, but look at all the stuff you have. But look at what I don't have. Regardless of all the presents they received, they got hung up on this little thing. And the lame man, think about this, he responds to blessing with praise to God. It would have been really easy for him to run from the temple. Literally, he could have ran from the temple at this point. He could have easily been frustrated with the fact that he didn't receive silver or gold. He didn't receive what he was asking for. He could have easily said thanks and went about his merry way, but he didn't. He entered into the temple something he thought he'd never be able to do. And when given the opportunity, he responded accordingly. He entered into the temple with thanksgiving, with praise for God. If you want to experience a refreshing from God, you need to respond to his blessings with praise, regardless of whether or not they're the blessings that you've asked for. Regardless of that, respond to God's blessings with praise. You're refreshed when you receive life in Christ. You're refreshed when you respond with uh, blessings with praise. And last point is this, you are refreshed when you participate with him. We all play an active role in this, each and every one of us. We're not called to simply by, to be bystanders in someone else's story. When everyone saw what had happened, it became this contagious event. And and as a result, Peter is able to preach to them. He's able to share the gospel to them. uh, He's able to point them towards repentance. and, And all these amazing things take place as a result of this amazing event. And it's this event that softens the heart of so many, and more and more life change took place. And as life life change took place, more and more hearts were softened. As more hearts were softened, more life change took place. And it was cyclical, and it was beautiful, and it was as God intended. It was beautiful. But here we are 2,000 years later, 2,000 years after the fact, and life change is still taking place, and God's asking you to be a part of it regardless of how you got here this morning, just like the young man who went into the church because he had a crush on the girl, regardless of how you got here this morning, regardless of what your journey looked like to come to Christ, he wants to use you and wants to invite you to be a part of this story, to be a participant within this story. One of my favorite Christian artists is Matthew West. I stick and love this guy. He, he's a, a storyteller, but he does it through song, and he has this one song Called do something and man it gets me every single time i want to read the first verse to you i won't sing it because i just won't it says i woke up th- i'm going to fix his grammar as we go hey i told you i wasn't singing i woke up this morning i saw a world full of trouble now how do we ever get so far down how is it ever going to turn around so i turned my eyes to heaven And I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? I said, I wasn't crying. And he said, I did created you. Sometimes we shake our fists at heaven saying, God, why don't you do something? You see the lame man over there? You see that person that needs this? You see this? You see all these needs? Why don't you do something? And he's looking at us saying, I did. You, the church, you're my plan A. There is no plan B. I did do something. I created you. You see, we're refreshed and we get to experience that when we participate with him. What starts off as ordinary can become extraordinary when we keep our eyes focused on Him. So as we bring 2017 to a close, and as we get ready to jump into 2018, and the ball drops tonight at 12, if you are in need of refreshment this morning, a refreshment that only God can provide, I want to invite you to partake in that refreshment. Whatever it looks like for you. I want to invite you to live fully devoted. I want to invite you to receive refreshment by receiving the life that God has in store for you by living life to the fullest. I want to invite you to receive refreshment by giving thanks in all things. I want to invite you to receive refreshment by participating with Him in the mission of the church through serving. Whatever your next step is and it's different for each and every one of us, I encourage you, I implore you to slow down to slow down as we start off this new year and to take it. Just one step. We don't have to know all the details. We don't have to know how it's going to work out. I just implore you to slow down just enough to take that one step. And then the next. And then the one after that. Don't let this year be another year of failed resolutions. Don't be one of the 75%. Let's fix our eyes on him, and receive the refreshment that we can receive only through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.